All right, Jerry, question one is not original by any means, uh, but it opens up great conversation. What is your franchise story? How did you fall into franchising? Oh, well, that's a good question. A lot of, a lot of it came back to, well, I didn't get an MBA. I, so I, I wanted to go to MBA school, and I decided that franchising, buying a franchise was a good way to learn how to run a business. And so I was in software engineering before that, and my degree was in chemistry. Um, so I got laid off, and then it was I looking for jobs on Monster back in the you know twenty years ago, and it was um, and one of the TES consultants you know uh, connected you know through that, and um, that's kind of where it started. I ended up buying another franchise that wasn't one of the recommendations. Um, hmm. It was one that I. I knew from uh, some local, you know, you know, local uh, brand. And um, anyway, that's where I started. I just, it was a burrito shop. So, so I just went into that and then it, it kind of it morphed, you know, as time went on. How many, uh, how many units did you climb to? As a I just had, I just had one. Um, we, we actually bought a really tough location, but we had too much space. And that's where Sub Zero kind of came into play because everybody asked for, um, well, we just needed more revenue, and we had construction, major construction, in front of the store for four years. So we we knew that, you know, about six months after we opened, we we realized that was a mistake, not checking with the city to see what what uh, what was going to be happening. Um, they expanded like the lanes, you know, the highway to six lanes, and uh, going both directions like so it was um so it was four years of literal construction right in front of your building so it was um so we had extra space you got to do what you got to do so i asked i thought we originally we thought we were going to lease it and became pretty clear it wasn't going to release um you know that extra space so we just decided to add a product and um in Utah, there's a there was a brand called Hoagie Yogi, and it was it started around BYU. It was pretty successful um, for a while, for about twenty years. But it was um, it was yogurt and hoagies, and then they added teriyaki sticks. So they had this kind of weird mix. But people always said, "Well, why don't you do that? Just add ice cream." And I said, "Well, I don't know anything about ice cream." So that's that's where it. Um, and then we really couldn't afford the freezers um, to build an ice cream shop. We went to the ice cream manufacturer. They said, don't do ice cream. If you're already in a struggling location, they said, do something else and, or do something. Well, they said, they gave one caveat. They said, you can do ice cream as long as it's different. So it's gotta be really unique. And that's where kind of the really unique came into play. How long did you hold on to that? franchise as a franchisee for we were there about six years so, so i mean you held on i mean even with with all the storms that you had to face you didn't you didn't just quit yeah we 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 built that you know the sub-zero store that made it made it so that so we were making half of our revenue from one side and half the revenue from the other and and it um and then um, I probably would, I mean, the landlord came in and, and informed us at the end of our lease that, 
he was going to double the rent. And I was like, well, okay, then I'm out. And it was, there was also a time we, we'd already built our second store for the, for the ice cream. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was now time to focus on that. that. And, um, and the other thing is that I was in the national guard, so I was being deployed, um, for, um, crap. We can still hear, Jerry, you're so good. You can keep going. You can still hear us. Some sometimes the technical issues oh. step in. Oh, Jerry's gone. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll continue Jerry's story uh, in a second. I guess that's the that's the challenge with doing these uh, these live. Uh, if the internet's not working very good, uh, then I need to take over. Let's see. He's uh, he's trying. Looking at Thank it. You. There you are. Now you're back. Are you back, Jerry? Yeah, everything rebooted the the app. Yeah. Um, all right, you're back. All right, yeah, so I'm back. All right, so you're talking you about yeah, you were talking about you were you got deployed, you were in the military. Keep going from there. Yeah, while I was while I was gone, I uh, we actually so we had the second store. Um, that was built. Um, I also, when I came back, I really found that the employees uh, were stealing a lot of money. There was a lot of the deposits just were gone. They're missing. They were fishing them out of the Dropbox. And after a while, I just, I was trying to fix that. I was like, you know, the landlords raised my lease. I know I don't want to, I'm, I, this isn't where the future is with the burrito shop. So it's just move on to the, just ice cream only and, and uh, move down to the second store. And then at that right. point in time, we'd had enough. We'd been doing the ice cream for four years. So we actually had four franchisees that opened that same year. Um, so we built four stores in that that first that first year into the second store. All right. So go go backwards. So you burrito shops go in. Is it called Sub Zero from the start? No, it's called it's called New York Burrito. But then um what we what I was doing is I was actually I came across when I, when I knew we were going to do ice cream, um, but it had to be different. I went to the customer and I said, what do you, what do you like about other people's product? And then how do you make it better? So I went through this survey process to determine what the product was going to be. And so um, whatever he came back with was one thing. They said customization. They wanted a custom product per person. So whether that's mix in, you know, that's what people's biggest impression is like I customize by adding a mix in like Cold Stone or by adding it on top. Right. But um, my thought was how you get it, how do you do it better? And so the only way to do it better, in my opinion, is to change the flavor. The only way to change the flavor is to start as a liquid. So the, so that was the definition is we got to start with a liquid. So the only way to, you can't put a flavor in a solid. Um, you can only put a flavor in a liquid. And so, um, so that's, that's the, the definition of the product is we had to start with a liquid, 
chains of flavor. It's all custom made per order, but I didn't know how to do it. And my wife led, left this. So that, that was the question. I was like, how are we going to do this? And so um, just went down the, you know, very open of what we're going to do. And then my wife left an article about liquid nitrogen um, on the, you know, in the bathroom out open. She thought I might think it was interesting. And um, anyway, I just was instantaneous. My degree's in chemistry, so it was kind of instantaneous. That's exactly what we're going to do. So then it just went through, started in the research. Now, we remember, I couldn't afford freezers to bring in ice cream. I didn't have the, the capital or the even the credit. Um, so I, um, but I could afford uh, a military surplus liquid nitrogen tank. Hmm. So that's where it started was this, and I still use that tank uh, for catering. Um, so I use it quite a bit. So I, um, so anyway, the, the started all with uh, all of our original equipment because in, in fact, when going back to that time period, there weren't the delivery mechanisms for liquid nitrogen for stores like you, like you have now, like the, the other people in the marketplace, they had the benefit of the fact that the equipment's available to them. It wasn't until about 2007 that liquid nitrogen was even, even would be delivered um, because the equipment just didn't exist, you know, from the welding supply places. Um, so it was, it was really kind of a, we were very early stage. Um, I, I used to drive down to the, um, gin and drive back. So it's, uh, so there it's back. So it's so I I would go down to Praxair and drive back, and um, the my nitrogen tanks in the back of the my little truck would they vent, and so when they do that they give off a cloud, and so people would be you know like driving up next to me and going hey I, I'd say hey your uh, your your tank's gonna blow, and I'm and what you can't really talk to somebody in the next <laughs> lane over, so I'm just like yeah, and I'm like thumbs up, and I'm like. So I just think I'm crazy, but it was, uh, but then there was a, then I bought this military surplus 400 gallon tank. And this is again, before, um, any of the stuff that's available now is, uh, was available and I got it out of the Redstone arsenal. And because I was in the national guard, I actually looked up this receipt that the military paid for this tank. And so it, uh, which was interesting, but it was, um, but it usually stuff that comes out of the you know military surplus a lot of that stuff's just scrap it doesn't really work and luckily everything was intact on this um tank so i built a trailer and then i would go down to air liquid and i'd drive into the plant and i'd pick it up and and take it back and it was uh so it's been it was a early stage was was there was a lot of work uh but then once it became 2008 then things were you know, able to be delivered, um, you know, into, into stores, then it was, it made it a lot easier. All right. So test concept, you, you build it in the burrito. What, what is it? Is it, did you name it at first or was it just part of the burrito? Yeah, it was called sub zero. So what we did is, uh, 
what I did is part of that surveying process is I asked people, I had like 10 names and one of them was Sub-Zero. And um, what I learned from New York Burrito is New York Burrito was, is really should be a, should have been called Deli Style Wraps. And they, on their website, even they talked about this, they said, they said, well, New York means deli and burrito means wraps. Hmm. Well, the problem was that nobody could make the leap. And what I learned is my original, um, the, uh, um, the original name was Sub-Zero Cryo Creamery because I was trying to play off on the cryogenics. Right. And I figured there was enough people that had watched science fiction movies that they knew what cryo meant. Well, the fact is they didn't. Right. And the, um, so what I, what I learned from New York Burrito and really from this was that um, you had to make the name dead simple. You got to, you have to tell, tell people right out what it is. It's, um, it's Sub-Zero ice cream. And the, through the naming, what we found is that from that surveying, Sub-Zero came on top as far as a survey. And then, um, but there were two reasons. They said it was because it was familiar. And so I said, well, but it all depended on what generation you were from. So if you were older generation, it was because of the refrigerator. But if it was younger generation, it was because of Mortal Kombat. Interesting. And recently, we actually have had interactions with Mortal Kombat as a brand, and so it's um, so we'll probably be doing some Mortal Kombat flavors. Um, we went down and met with their marketing team a few weeks ago. Nice. And um, so it's anyway. It's kind of funny that it's that that's. It, I figured familiarity would be a benefit. All right. So concepts going. You're getting early sales. I assume uh, what you could afford changes, and now you have to afford the process of becoming a franchisor. How did you do that? Um, well, we hired a a company, uh, and they did the initial paperwork. Um, it wasn't terribly expensive. We were also f- applying for a patent, so we were paying for that too. Um, in that time period, which we did get. Um, so we, um, um, but I was doing a lot, a lot of that work, work myself. The, so we hired the, this initial company. They did do a great job so we moved over to a so it's i i was getting deployed again in 2010 so i i uh we brought on a a partner they did they helped us rework a lot of the manuals and then we separated in 2012 um and um so we've we've been on our own since. Um, so I just, it was uh, to, uh, you, you, the question was like, how did I afford it? Uh, I'm not sure. Or, if I, what was the, um, no, it's more, more of the, pro, more of the process. Like you oh, decide you're going to do this. You just well, continue to reinvest in this and say, I'm going to franchise the business. Yeah. I mean, originally people came to us, so we didn't really have to market to those original franchisees. Um, so they just saw us 
you know, in the store started asking about it. Um, you know, I, I learned that it, I've learned a lot since then, you know, it, it, we were probably, um, but anyway, but the, the point of the matter is that it's, um, it's all a learning process anyway, early, early, yeah. early franchises are, um, very difficult, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of work to do. And even now we have 30 stores, but you know, we, we're very lean. We do a lot of the work. Um, you know, we do the, we do the, the onsite training. We do the training in here. We do, we still work the store. So it's, it's, you know, but I always felt like you had to work in the store. Uh, so, you know, you keep in touch with the customer and what the franchisees are going through. So I've had a, a strong belief in that. Um, my kids work in the store. Um, so it's, um, um, so I, I, the answer is I knew, I knew it was going to be a franchise because I knew I wasn't gonna be able to raise the money to be able to build stores myself. There just wasn't enough. I, I just didn't see a path for banking. And I knew that the only way to really grow was franchising, franchising. All right, so go back to the moment you've made your decision that you're going to become a franchise, and now you've had, you know, you're you're still successful as a business if you flash forward to today. But how have your expectations been met or haven't been met? What what did you expect out of franchise, and where where did you think you were going to be at today? If well, you had that cast, I have a very different perspective of franchising now than I did then, which is you would expect. Yeah, um, it's a it's a lot more difficult um, when you don't have total control of a store um, to be able to walk in and say, this is what you need to do. So there's, um, um, there's the, the amount of revenue that you get as a franchise or is um, early on is not enough to pay for all the services you really need, really need to provide. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, um, it's a difficult balance, you know, to, and it's a different mindset that it's a very difficult mindset to flip back and forth from the, from the franchisor side to the franchisee side, um, you know, to, because they're, you know, your, your customer is the franchisee, but your end customer is the people that walk in the store. Right. So you're, um, so, you know, keeping that, um, the expectation of the customer high and the franchisees expectation high is, is difficult, but it's, it's just, um, 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 I wouldn't say, I, I think, um, if I had, we don't, I like the EOS system, you know, that methodology. Yeah. And I feel like I'm a visionary, but we could benefit from a, you know, a, a, um, an operator or a, or a, what do they call it? Um, integrator. Integrator. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but you gotta, you gotta grow to that and, um, get to that point. Um, so I, anyway, but my, um, so, you know, I think early on, I felt like there was like, well, you, you get royalties and therefore it's just easy but it's just not because you just there's for those that the amount of royalties, there's just a lot of work to keep those stores 
um, you, you go back going. you go back to day day um, one are you dreaming of a hundred units or are you dreaming of a thousand units do you have do you have some sort of dream that you had at that time that when obviously reality takes shape as an emerging franchisor but did you have a, a giant dream that that you had from an expectation standpoint yeah, I figured we'd I'd figured we'd eventually grow to you know uh, 500 to 1000 units. Um which I I still think that you know we'll eventually get there. It's just a matter of it's just a matter of time. I think breaking that th- that ceiling of 100 units is is the major milestone. Yeah. Um and that's that's probably the most difficult thing. I think it's I think it probably gets easier after that. I think you can make big mistakes when you get big and then you shrink, you know, dramatically. Um, but so I think that my opinion was fast growth wasn't necessarily good growth um, because you're, you make, but slow growth can also be um, problematic. Um, you know, but you can, you can grow. I mean, I've seen brands where they just, grow like wildfire um you know new york Prito was one of those it grew like i mean the publications i heard said that grew to 100 units but by the time i was in it was down to 22 but everything you know back then you didn't have really up-to-date information it was still semi-print or the you know the things weren't update updated right so it was we were down to 22 and we were the last one in utah so it's um um there were 11 stores when we started in Utah and by the time we ended there was we were the last ones. So it was it was um so you know you, you can grow too fast and but you can also grow too slow. So getting that balance is I think important. Of your 30 locations now, do you have multi-unit franchisees or are they just owning one? What's the what's the persona of your buyer? Most of them are are one are single owners. There's about half a dozen that are multi-unit. Um, um, and, um, and they do well as, as multi-unit multi-units. I mean, I, I encourage people like, if you're going to do it, just, you really need to have multi-unit. You could make it on one store, but it's, it's a lot more, um, work for the money. Are you Um, doing, uh, an earnings claim? We do have an earnings claim. Um, we, I have not, um, I don't know if I think it's a great earnings claim. I'll be honest. Um, we have stores that do really well and we have stores that I'm not very good at, at, uh, cracking down. Like everybody's afraid of like the big, bad franchise or, and I'm not that guy. So I, I have older stores that probably shouldn't be around that don't that underperform. I mean, that's, um, that's, that's part of the learnings, right? I mean, when, when you're an emer- you're still an emerging brand that has ha- definitely has its sea legs behind it. I mean, part of that is learning experiences as you go. I mean, from, from where I stand, if, if I had to, had to evaluate uh, what, what is, what is going to be the difference between this hitting a hundred units and not, uh, if, if I zoom out and I'm advising you, one is going to be capital. I mean, right mm-hmm. r- right now in franchising world, the the best and strongest capitalized businesses 
have an advantage, whether they have a strong earnings claim or not, whether the cost to get in is sound, capital can create explosion. And so mm-hmm. if I zoom out, I can see the space that you're in, what you occupy. I've had your product. It's, there's one right by our, our house in Atlanta. Um, yeah. And so I've, I've seen it. I've seen. Yeah, that's a good store. Yeah. And, and good location. It's it got good solid foot traffic. It's placed right by a target. So like the franchise o- operator in that scenario said, I'm going to invest probably a little bit more in real estate to be in the right area. And so, but, but if I zoom out and I said, you said, mm-hmm. Nick, buy my brand and fix this one, your story is, is buried Two, your message. And I, I always say this, I think positioning is more important than tactics. If you don't have your position down, then you could spend money on digital ads. It won't, it won't do anything for you. And right now you have for those with an appetite for success, but I could take any brand and say, that's, that's their why you, why now. And from me, I think your why you, why now is you saw what it was like to be a franchisee with a brand that didn't have structure and you take your military background and then what you majored in military background gave you structure and what you majored in gave you a passion for building something different in, in a category that was already crowded. You have the recipe for success. I think you've got to be a little bit more bullish on, on telling that story from where I sit. Yeah. So Jerry, what, what I'd like to close with, um, is there's a ghost prospect out there. Maybe they know you, maybe they don't, maybe they've watched this. Uh, they're intrigued by what they see on the screen. What's the final thing you want them to know about why they should go ahead and fill out that form and reach out to you? Jerry, did that come through? Yeah, I, I don't know why it's buffering. I'm going to try and close some stuff down and see if there's something on my side. The um, the last question is what what do you want the ghost? Know, what do you um, want the ghost prospect anyway, to know about the business? Apologize for that. Oh, you're good. Can you hear me now, Jerry? Yeah, I can hear you. So tell tell the tell the ghost candidate why you why now. Um, why pick sub zero? Yep, that's right. Is that what you what you're asking? That's right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if you gotta love ice cream, so if you're not really an ice cream person, I probably wouldn't pick our product. So you gotta first of all, when I picked New York burritos because I really like burritos, even though they really weren't burritos, they were kind of wraps, but they had enough, you know, f- spice that I liked it. So it's you gotta love the product. So first of all, second thing is you got to really like the business model. The business model is really what differentiates us from anything else out there. For instance, like with using nitrogen, we don't have freezers. So you don't have a lot of mechanical problems or mechanical um, costs. You don't have a lot of electrical costs. You don't um, going mobile. So I look at and, and then the other thing is I would say, if you're if you're going to come into a into a franchise, you really need to follow the whole program. In other words, a lot of our franchisees about night we found ninety six percent of our franchise 
ease don't do catering but so about uh so six percent 94 96 percent of our franchisees do 95 percent of the catering so catering is you know when i look at at ice cream and i've reviewed reviewed this with other brands you know and and um is really you have ice cream makes you know i'm i don't want to make an earning claim but my impression from talking to other brands is that and and i think this matches up with every experience i've had is that there's a certain percentage that's in the store there's a certain percentage that's out of that store and then ancillary products like cakes and other products so for instance if you're not going to do catering you're leaving all the profit off the table you're 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 just not you're just saying i'm not going to do that i'm not going to leave that money out there so i have a um um so you know i figure about 30 to 40 percent of of ice cream sales across the industry not just us um is cakes or catering um so if you're not going to do the you know the the program then you, you need to accept the results um so if you do the program, you know, you'll, you'll make money. Um, so the, uh, I just made an earnings claim, dang it. Um, but you know, you know what I mean? I mean, it's uh, what I say, what I say that, I mean, really what I mean by that is like the franchisee has to, uh, they've got to do the, the, uh, it's uh, the success is up to the franchisee. There's nothing I can do, you know, after you open your store to go in and, really make a, a a needle change other than what the franchisee is doing. If the franchisee is not working the store, if he's not taking care of his customers, if he's not taking care of the employees, if he's not taking care of the store, it's not going to do well. Um, so I think you got to love the product. Number one, you got to recognize the difference in the brand or, or the, the business model. Cause our business model is, um, you know, I, I took, I took ice cream down to the, um, the Sony gaming event in Vegas. And so for the Mortal Kombat guys, I just brought a tank into the convention center and a table and set it up and started making ice cream for them. So I traveled 300 miles, you know, and, and made, you know, 200 ice creams right out of my, out of my minivan. So the mobility of it is tremendous. I mean, could you imagine doing that with, traditional ice cream couldn't do it um well look i mean at the at the end of the day you have a beautiful product uh there's bendability and flexibility you've shown scale and the model that you've put together and it's a buyer that has decided this is the category they want to be in that wants to follow a system and can buy into your vision uh this could be the right brand for for you and uh i think that's important to note and so jerry we're We've we've hit our we've hit our time, so I gotta close this out. But um, I have subzerofranchise.com up that went on the fast. screen. <laughs> it went fast, thirty minutes fast. So uh, for more information, <laughs> go to subzerofranchise.com. For Jerry, I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Zor. Hey,